0: Or simply download the CCCIV app. You'll find the direct link to the app at www.ccciv.org forward slash get the app. Or when you text CCCIV APP to 77977.
1: Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be made known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. You hear that? He says to the religious leaders of the day, he says to the people who attended church every day, the people who were in life groups and maybe volunteered in children's ministry or helped out in a fireworks booth, he looked at these people and he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. They say one thing, They worship one way, but then they live differently. There is nothing that they have spoken that will not be revealed one day. Nothing that they whispered behind closed doors that will not be shouted from the rooftops. Listen to what this says in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus says this, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Condemned. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. It says this, No creature is hidden from his sight, but we are all naked and exposed, open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And in that moment, we're completely vulnerable, completely exposed, because the trial that is convening is the trial for your soul. All the actors are present. And you are seated at the plaintiff's or the defendant's table. The books are opened. All of your sins are read. Every one of them recorded. You're completely exposed, completely naked, completely open. You have no course of action. These charges are read. And if the judge would look you in the eye, what would you say? He would say, Are these charges true? How do you plead? In that moment, you will have no choice but to say, I'm guilty. I confess it. There's no hope for your defense. But then, a lamb as though he had been slain, who's seated at your side, he stands you in your naked state, exposed, and he covers you with his robe of righteousness. The scripture says this in Colossians chapter 2, that every word that is written against us, listen to this, it says, in you... Being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses. All of those words written against you in that book of remembrance, they're forgiven. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. He takes that book of remembrance and he wipes it clean. He erases every deed, every evil deed you've ever done. How did he do it? He took those things upon himself, and he went to a cross and was crucified upon a cross so that those things could be erased. So there's the book of remembrance. There's another book the scripture refers to called the book of life. In Revelation chapter 20, you can find this book. And let me just read this to you. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence the earth and the sky fled away. No place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, before this court proceeding, right? And the books were opened. Sound familiar? And then another book was opened, right? So the book of remembrance is open, but then another book is opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in it. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. There's a book that is open, and then a second book is open. And really, when it boils down to it, it doesn't matter how many of the commandments you've kept, all of that can be erased and washed clean if you just do one thing, if you just take what faith you have, even if it's the size of a mustard seed, and you exercise that faith, you place that faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. And you say, I understand and I confess and I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I understand in this moment that I cannot earn my way into the presence of the Ancient of Days. He is too holy and too righteous and too pure and too lovely. But what I do, with what faith I have, I place that in Jesus, who is holy, who is righteous, who is worthy. And because I've placed my faith in the finished work of the cross and the power of a resurrected Savior, because I've done this, now what? My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I wonder where your name is written today. Because look at what happens here in this, as this scene unfolds. You see that the Antichrist, the little horn which speaks such blasphemous words, he's cast into the lake of fire. He's destroyed. But look what happens here. Look at verse 13. Daniel continues on with this vision. Now he's going to have a vision of Jesus. He has a vision of God the Father. Now here's a vision of Jesus. And I saw in the night visions. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days. And he was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So this trial is taking place, And then he looks and he sees with the clouds. It's interesting to me. Jesus uh, went up. When he ascended, he was caught up into the clouds. And the disciples were standing there looking to the clouds. And an angel came and said, why are you staring up at the clouds? Do you not know that in the same manner that Jesus was taken, he will return? Speaking of the rapture, Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he would say this, that there will be a shout of an archangel and there will be a trump of God played. And then in a moment you will see the Lord descend with the clouds of heaven and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up and meet the Lord in the clouds of the air. There's something special about a cloudy day. I'm not talking about an overcast day. I'm talking about those billowing clouds, those cumulonimbus clouds that you see, right? And I look up to those clouds longingly and I say, Lord, could this be the moment that I meet you in those clouds? He sees these clouds, right? These clouds come and it says that the Son of Man is there. Now, this is a title that Jesus used of himself more than any other title. This phrase, Son of Man, is actually spoken 94 times in the New Testament. The religious leaders despised the fact that Jesus used this phrase of himself. Why? Because they understood that it was a messianic phrase that was taken from Daniel chapter 7. So every time Jesus refers to himself as the ancient of days, or excuse me, as the son of man, right? The religious leaders were in an uproar. They were offended by this. Listen to what happens in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 this is what Jesus says, or, or this is what happens when Jesus speaks this. Verse 63 says this, Jesus remained silent. The high priest, he's under trial from the high priest. The high priest said to him, I'm begging you by the living God, tell us whether or not you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus replied thus, listen, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God, power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes, and he said, he has uttered blasphemy. What further witness do we need? You now have heard this blasphemy for yourselves. What is your judgment? They answered, he deserves death. They spit in his face. They struck him with their fists. They slapped him, saying, prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? See, this was more than just referring to this text in Daniel chapter seven, they understood that he was calling himself the Christ. He was calling himself the anointed one, the Messiah. And when he replied to them saying, this is what you will see, you will see the son of man seated in power at the right hand of God and coming with the clouds, they tear their clothes, they beat him with hand and fist, they spit upon him and they sentence him to death. The son of man seated in power and glory. You see, you're going to have one of two responses to Jesus, and those are the two. You're going to have Daniel's response where he's in awe. He's in awe when he sees this vision of Jesus, or you're going to have the response of the religious leaders who tear their clothes and beat Christ and sentence him to death. How will you respond to the Son of Man? Your eternity hangs in the balance. What a beautiful text we have. So just for sake of time, we don't have too much time. I've got to kind of speed through some of these things. Shocker, right? I'm sure you guys are shocked. All of you want to go have ribs or hot dogs or burgers or something. So listen to what happens here. To the Son of Man was given dominion. He was given glory. The glory that he emptied himself of in Philippians chapter 2 says he emptied himself. That glory that he emptied himself of is restored. By the Ancient of Days, he's given back that glory. He's given a kingdom. And all peoples, nations, languages serve him. The scripture says in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus is given a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And here we see the fulfillment of this. All the peoples, all the nations, all the languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Right? Which side of the Jordan are you on? Because if you're living for the kingdoms of this world, the kingdoms of this world will one day pass away says this in 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, it says that all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all of these things, right? All that you're living for, all that seems so important, these things are passing away along with the lust thereof. They'll one day be gone. Peter says that everything that you see one day will one, one day be consumed with a fervent heat. Considering that all of these things will thus be consumed, what manner of life should you now live? What kind of life should you be living in, fa- in view of the fact that all of it's going to be gone? Are you living for the eternal kingdom? Are you living for the land of promise? Are you living for what's on the right side of the Jordan? Or are you living for what's on the wrong side of the Jordan? Worldliness, earthliness, and carnality. Look at this. We're going to now see the confusion of Daniel. And for the sake of time, because I know that there's some of you who are probably a a little bit compulsive about this stuff, like I am, I'm going to give you the points right up front. All right, so if you're taking notes, you can write these down, okay? First, you're going to see clarity on the three beasts. Then you're going to see clarity on that terrifying beast, that final beast. And the final thing we're going to look at is the clarity on the coming of eternity, the coming eternity. So let's look at this. Verse 15, As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, or I was in great distress, and the visions of my head alarmed me, literally confused me, He didn't understand these things. So what does he do? Verse 16, he approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all of this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. These four great beasts are the four kings who shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. And ever So I, I don't, this doesn't make sense to me. So the, the angel says, these are the four kingdoms, the four kings that will arise, but eventually the kingdom will be given to those who place their trust in Jesus, the saints. Verse 19, then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from the rest, exceedingly terrifying. So this is the beast that was indescribable, the beast that had the 10 horns, Right? I desired to know the truth about this fourth beast, which was different from the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with teeth like iron and claws of bronze, which devoured and broke in broken pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up from before the, which the three fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth and spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. And as I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. Now pause there for a moment. So this horn is given great authority, and what this horn does with that authority, and we're going to see this as the next few weeks unfold in the book of Daniel, right? The horn is given great authority, and the horn actually pursues the saints. Now understand this in this moment. When this is going on, when the Antichrist has been revealed, the church of Christ has already been raptured. We're in the presence of God. The saints that are being spoken of here are those who have come out of the tribulation, those who have come to know Christ after the rapture of the church, after the revealing of the Antichrist. Okay, So what does the Antichrist do? The Antichrist understands that there's no way he can compete with God. There's no way he can gain victory over God. So what does he do? He pursues the people that are the most precious to him. He pursues his saints. And it actually says there that the Antichrist prevails over them. That the Antichrist seems to be winning, right? He seems to prevail. He seems to gain the victory. But look at what happens in the next verse. Verse 22. So look at verse 21 again. As I look, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. But verse 22, until the ancient of days came. It might seem like the enemy's winning. And we look out at a world that is so devoid of morality and their hearts are so hardened and we live in midst a culture that calls good evil and evil good and it's going to happen for a while and it might look like the enemy is winning but he only is in control what until the ancient Until the Lord himself comes. Look at this. And judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints should possess the kingdom. Verse 23 Thus he said, the one that Daniel asked, What does this mean? He says this about the fourth beast. He says, There shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all of the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth, and trample it down, and break it into pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down three kings. He shall speak against the Most High. He shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand. For times, or for time, times, and half a time, for three and a half years. We'll revisit this in Daniel chapter 9. The enemy himself, Antichrist, will be given authority for three and a half years. He will rule and reign and, and seek to bring havoc upon the saints who are here in the tribulation. Now, I want you to take note of two texts that you need to read later. Again, for sake of time, we can't turn there. Revelation chapter 13, read verses 1 through 8. For a description of this beast, a description of the Antichrist who will speak these words. Write this down, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Read Paul's account, Paul's rendering of what the Antichrist will be like, the man of lawlessness who will come. It will confirm what Daniel is, is here prophesying about. Right? So, what do we see? We see Daniel having a vision of the Antichrist that looks almost exactly like, like what Paul sees as a vision of the Antichrist, which looks almost exactly like what John sees as a vision of the Antichrist. God is confirming this prophetic word across centuries, across different saints, so that we would be prepared when this man arises. Okay? You follow me? Now, look at this. Verse 26. This antichrist will be in power but look at this but the court shall sit in judgment you can't avoid it judgment is coming the judge of all the earth is coming and here's what i want you to understand this morning you as a believer in christ if you know christ as your savior according to ezekiel chapter 33 you are called to be a watchman on the wall and if you know that judgment is coming and you're not about the business of warning people that the judge of all the earth is on their way, then you are doing something wrong. The scripture actually says if you fail to warn that the, that the judgment is coming, then those people's bloods, the, the, the people's blood that, that weren't prepared, that blood is on your hands. A lot of us have a lot of blood on our hands because we have not been busy about preparing people for the coming judge. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away. The Antichrist's dominion shall be taken away. He'll be consumed and destroyed to the end and the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given over to the saints of the Most High. God is going to give the kingdoms of the world to the believer. The scripture says, Jesus said that it gives great pleasure to God to give to you his kingdoms. The scripture says, that, that in 1 Peter chapter 3, that you've been given an inheritance, stored up in heaven for you, the kingdoms of the world, this everlasting kingdom. Now look at this. We'll wrap this up here. It says there, you shall be given to the peoples of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of this matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me. My color changed, and I kept this matter in the heart. I was terrified when I realized what was going to happen to the people of earth. That's how it impacted him. Now I want you to give pause to this just for a moment because things seem out of sort in our world today. Things are not right. They're not fitting together. They're not as they were meant to be. But there is a day coming when the judge will restore things just the way they were meant to be. The book of Isaiah says that nations of the world will take their weapons and they will turn their weapons into tools for agriculture and there will be no more war. The scripture says that the wolf will lie with the lamb and the children will play with cobras in their dens, vipers in their dens that things will be restored to their original state. If you go and you read Revelation chapter 21, how every tear will be wiped away from people's eyes, that everything will be restored, that Jesus will dwell in the midst of his people, and he will renew all things and make all things new, and that he's coming soon. This is what we have to hope for. Yes, the nations rage. Yes, it looks like things maybe, maybe on the wrong side of the Jordan, they're not fitting together right. But if we will keep faith, if we will keep our eyes on the Ancient of Days, if we place our hope and our trust in the fact that Jesus will come in the clouds, if we trust that what's on the other side, the right side of the Jordan, is, is, is on its way, then our hope will remain steadfast. We will be able to cling to Jesus with what we have. I wonder if we are ready today. See, Moses looked at those tribes, the tribe of Reuben and Gad, and said, I don't understand why you wouldn't want what God has promised you, but if you're intent on staying on the wrong side of the Jordan, just understand that your sin will find you out. Are you ready? I'm gonna close with this text from John chapter 5. And actually, I want you guys to write this down because I think you need to meditate on these verses. Listen to what it says here. Jesus says this, John chapter 5. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he is granted to the Son also to have life in, his, in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in tombs will hear his voice and will come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Jesus said, an hour is coming and is now here. When everyone who's in their tombs will hear the voice of God and they will be brought out. And those who have done righteously, they will be accepted into the presence of the beloved. But those who are wicked will find only judgment a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place that is called the lake of fire, a place that is called the second death, eternal separation from God. What kind of eternity is waiting for you right now? Which side of the Jordan are you living for? No one can make that decision for you, but you yourself. If you want to make sure today that you're prepared to be on the right side of the Jordan, that when you hear that voice, that you can respond and you'll be found righteous, not because of anything you've done, but because Jesus has washed you and cleansed you and clothed you in his righteousness. If you want to be sure that that would be your eternity, that that would be your fate, all you have to do this morning is cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Love Live Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley.